I would suggest to people, if you have that passion, don't be afraid to chase it, especially as the, the economies today are shifting no more. I mean, there's no more like, I'm going to go to work at, you know, Dunder Mifflin for 40 years yeah. or whatever. So don't be afraid to chase that and explore it, but also know when to sunset it, you know, like it, when it runs its course, be willing to say, okay, I did that. And, and I this is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up, and welcome to episode 44 of Life in Motion. Uh, today, I have with me arguably uh, one of Springfield's best bingo announcers. Um, his talents don't stop there, though. He's also the host of the Uli Who podcast, a uh, soon-to-be brewer at 4x4, and also a firefighter. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Uli. All right. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Of course, of course. So before we get into your many talents, as I just <laughs> mentioned, um, let's kind of set the stage of who you are, how, you know, where you grew up, hobbies, kind of how did you get to where you are sure. in life today? Well, I appreciate that you, uh, the bingo calling is really my greatest achievement. That's the pinnacle. Uh, yeah, I So would we're going to go backwards. Everything's going to seem <laughs> subpar. Uh, bingo is really the highlight. So yeah, I was, uh, I was born and raised in Santa Barbara, California, uh, way back in the 70s which according to my kids is basically telling them that I was in the civil war, you know, so <laughs> it ended shortly thereafter, but yeah, I was raised, uh, you know, that, that seventies, eighties kid out there. Um, uh, like a lot of kids, uh, divorced. So on one side I had five brothers on the other side, I was an only child. So it was a real, it was a real dichotomy. And then my folks moved up the coast to Cayucas, which is a town that's about as big as this room. And it was on the, on the coast there. So really grew up in the ocean doing all that stuff. My stepdad was a surfer and diver. He was a commercial diver. Oh, awesome. And had a catamaran. So I really grew up on the water doing that stuff, loving that. And uh, I think you and I talked on the show. You were on Race to BMX down in Satakoy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Really wanted to uh, – it was that weird, uh, am I going to be into freestyle or BMX? Because I was awful at freestyle and I wasn't fast, so I was no good at any of it. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I grew up out there. I went to college. And then um, – Ended up moving to Alaska after college and worked on the oil rigs up there. And that was an interesting experience, you know, C70 below and, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and change a light bulb. It takes like an hour because you're just moving so slowly. <laughs> um, uh, college girlfriend, though, was from Missouri. Okay. And she wanted to come back home. And at that point, she became my first wife. And I say it like that. <laughs> I don't collect them. Well, this is the first wife in my collection. Not like my dad, who was married seven times. But, uh, yeah, uh, she wanted to come back to Missouri. And one of the things I'd done in college was um, operated heavy equipment. Uh, actually, that was pretty consistently my work. And the company I worked for leased dozers on fires. You see in California kind of going up. Oh, yeah. So we were contractors, or I worked for a contractor doing that, which got me into the fire service. So I had told her, listen, if I can find a job on a fire department, I'll move to Missouri. I'll try it. I mean, I was, I was feeling adventurous. If we don't like it, we'll go to Minnesota, Montana, Maine, any of the M states. I don't care. And, um, she was up in Kirksville, Missouri, up in Northeast. Okay. And I went up there and I talked to one of the fire. Uh, so I was on the volunteer fire department in Alaska and I was on a volunteer department in California. When I went up there, the guy's like, this place sucks. I've been here 25 years and make $25,000. I'm like, you are a terrible ambassador, sir. <laughs> and so he said, you ought to see what Springfield's doing. I'd never even heard of it. So using 1999 dial-up technology, I found Springfield. I applied. Didn't get in at first, but somebody else watched out of the background. And 20 years later, here I am, man. That's, so That's awesome. So to step back a little bit. Sure. Um, 
so growing up in California, kind of by the ocean, all that mm-hmm. stuff, went to college in California, like mm-hmm. you said. Yeah. So one, that's a huge transition from sunny California to way up north in Alaska. Uh-huh. And you said, were, were you initially chasing a job? Like you no. said, so you like actually wanted to go to a yeah. lot. Like what, like what was that all like? So, uh, one of the weird, uh, little uh, man, life, you got to just explore different avenues, right? <laughs> I, I think when you were on, on my show, I really was intrigued by that camp that you talked about. Yeah. You yeah. Worked at that. Well, one of the things I did in college is I worked for a logging company. Okay. As one does. Yeah. You know, uh, and I actually got into, if you've seen on ESPN, the Ocho, yeah. Like the competitive logging stuff. I got in. They had a team at the college that you, I went to. Were you on the team? Mm-hmm. Like, com- Is there any old footage? Uh, I've got some old pictures. I don't okay. know about video. But yeah, that's actually where I met my first wife. That she was, we thought she was from somewhere in the deep south. Yeah. Because she was this girl from Missouri. That's weird my accent. Folks, yeah. <laughs> my folks were stoked that I went to a, uh, so I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is really close to home. And uh, my folks were stoked. Oh, he won't go to the East Coast or anything. I find the one person... It's like going to MSU and finding someone from, you know, yeah. uh, Bangor, Maine. <laughs> but, so she was from here. And, and then one of my teammates actually had moved to Alaska. And I'm just like, I got out of school and I was running heavy equipment and, you know, really squandering all my potential as I've done all my life. Um, and I thought, man, I'm not going to leave this area unless I leave this area. Yeah. So I went and visited my buddy Dempsey in Wasilla, Alaska. <laughs> which is infamously where Sarah Palin's from, former okay. vice presidential candidate, who was the mayor at the time, which nobody would have predicted anything because when I was with the fire department up there, you know you know who the mayor is. She was just the hot hockey mom. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so I went up there and I just told my folks, I'm like, hey, I'm moving to Alaska. And they were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I did. And uh, uh, my girlfriend at the time and I took the first jobs with kids. She worked at Pizza Hut. I worked for Napa Auto Parts. They have Pizza Hut up there? Yeah, <laughs> I know. My mom always thought she's like, "Well, do you crawl out of your igloo?" And, and I'm like, "It's not like that." Um, it was it was great, man. It was a great. I think it's it's probably similar to how some folks view the military. Super glad I did it. Yeah, I don't know if I would still be there today. It, I mean, after about the fourth winter or so, you're like, "This is pretty isolating." Yeah. So yeah, that's. Uh, I just decided at that point she wanted to come back, and I was I got laid off on the oil rigs for the whatever time. Yeah. And. uh so I'm like, yeah, okay, we've done this. Let's go somewhere else. So unfortunately, I don't think I appreciate it because I went from one of the most beautiful places in the country, right, on the central and south coast of California, yeah. on the beach, to the mountains of Alaska. And then you just, you don't, you take that for granted, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. So then all of a sudden, and no slam on New Mexico, but if you ever drive through New Mexico, there's vast stretches of like the loneliest place on earth. Yeah. Just... So I don't think, environment didn't mean much to me because I was like, you know, okay, we'll try this, we'll try that. I thought, well, I can get used to these Missouri summers. I was wrong. <laughs> so I'm still adjusting to that 20 years later. The, the humidity? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I loved Alaska. I'm one of the one weirdos that likes the cold. Uh, how cold does it get? Like, what's the coldest so, like I said, uh, that, that you've experienced? So I, was a, I worked in Prudhoe Bay, which is at the very northern tip of Alaska, right? That's where the oil fields are. It's called North Slope. And the coldest I saw, personally, when working was it was 70 below. And with winds, it got to like 110 below. But anything below, like, 20 below is just, it's all semantics, right? Yeah. It's just, like, none of it matters. Well, I'm sure you sort of get, like, used to, so, like, here, you know, when, you, when you're when you coming out of, or getting into spring or whatever, coming out of winter, you know, it's a 50-degree 
50 degree day, but it feels like it's 80 degrees because yeah. you're used to the cold. So does it kind of like very that, much so that weird transition? So it's like four degrees. You're out in shorts and flip flops and yeah. you know just hanging out. Or I would fly home and fly into LAX and people were like wearing s- scarves and mufflers and I'm like ripping, <laughs> I'm boiling. But what's really funny is and I, I've said this a lot of times, Missouri. And I think they make weather here. Like, this is the <laughs> nexus. If you're a meteorologist and you need to make your chops, you should come here. Because, yeah, I, I miss the big snows, the beautiful mountains and stuff. And I often, I joke that the winter here is like the back of your freezer. Kind of like burnt and brown <laughs> yeah. and super bitter. But, yeah. man, I would take, you know, uh, 10 below in Anchorage over 20 above in Missouri sometimes. Just that same humidity that hits us in summer. Yeah. And winter here just slices you, man. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was a very, uh, very uh, interesting time to live, man. And, uh, of course, you have no money. You know, you're, people are giving you clothes because they feel sorry for you. I was thoroughly unprepared. I thought, you know, you look on a, on a map at the time, not much internet. Like, ah, Alaska's just up here, you know. Yeah. A couple of, couple of jaunts, maybe a few hours up north, and you don't realize <laughs> This few hours changed a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a point somewhere in uh, in Canada, and the uh, I lost a brake cylinder on my vehicle, and it was in White Horse Canada, I think. And I just remember thinking, I'm now equal, equidistant. Like, I can't just you can't just turn around and be like, ah, this isn't working. No. I mean, it's just as long to get back as it is to go. Yeah. And it was a real conscientious decision. Like, we got to push through this. I mean, they're not going to accept us here, and it's getting cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, got to got to get acclimated that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But I, I did love it, man. I, I do. Of course, as I get older, the cold's not as yeah all that. But uh, you know, we all get sassy and wish it was always the nice, perfect temperature. So no, no uh, grizzly bear run-ins or anything like no, that. No, no. I did um, when I worked for Napa Auto Parts up there. It was kind of cool. They. I worked as a territory manager, so they flew me all over the state. So I got to go to places I would have never seen otherwise. Nome, uh, spent, I spent a Christmas Eve in Dutch Harbor in a, on a pallet in a Napa store. I like overnighted down there oh, and, wow. and I couldn't get back. And I, one time I went to Barrow, Alaska, which is kind of close to Prudhoe Bay in terms of in, as far north as it is. It's a tiny, but it's the northernmost town. And there was a polar bear sighting and like way off in the distance. It wasn't like, I mean, you can get a lot closer to them at the zoo. Yeah, yeah. But it was one of those deals where they like kind of broadcast in the town. They're like, "Hey, everybody, stay in." Obviously, these bears—they're coming for the dumpsters. Like, you know, yeah. they're hungry. And but yeah, that was about that's. That's. Yeah, and we so you do see a lot of bears. Like if you're out, like where we lived out, uh, and you go to like Hatcher Pass outside of Wasilla, you just learn to keep your distance, respect yeah. that, stay away from moms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As that guy, the cubs. That, have you seen that mountain lion clip going around? Uh, the guy says he was stalked six minutes by a mountain lion. Oh, look it up on I, Facebook. That'd it's, be terrible. Yeah, terrifying. he filmed the whole thing, and it looks like this mountain lion is just like chasing him down this trail. Well, she was protecting her cub. Yeah, her kittens or whatever. Yeah, and so that's what it turns out to be. Same thing. Same thing. Don't get near a moose that's a mom. Don't get near a bear that's a mom. Don't get next to a. And usually, if you ask them before, hey, are you a mom? They'll tell you. They have to. You know, they legally. It's, yeah. So yeah. You just you can tell. Don't be afraid to speak they up. They look real tired. I've slept a lot. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, man, uh, it was it was a great time. Uh, I've been asked, you know, by my folks, hey, would you go back? I don't know. Do you want to go back to high school, man? It was a it was such it's a great an experience. Yeah, yeah, and I don't want I almost don't want to be disappointed. Like I'd rather look, go somewhere new. Yeah. Then well, that's actually that's a that's kind of a good uh, analogy though, because because you you know high school and college and you know this, this probably sounds bad, but even even friends, you know, you you're you're kind of stuck in 
your memories are stuck kind of in that time period yeah. when you're there. So they don't necessarily, because usually when you go and revisit it, you're in that time right. period again, but it doesn't always live up, you know, when you're exactly. 10 years, five years older or whatever. Man, when I go home to Cayucas now, it's a totally different world. And, uh, and as people can tell, I mean, as we watch California burn or all this stuff, and of course you see a lot of snarky individuals like good, but it was such a beautiful beach town to grow up in. Yeah. And, you know, if I didn't have money and went to the hardware store and they just put it on my dad's account or, you know, stepdad's account. And it wasn't Mayberry. I mean, this was still in the 80s yeah, and 90s. Yeah. But everyone knew everyone. It was an affordable place to live. It was a lot of beach bums. People were either uh, working with cattle or working in construction or in the ocean. And it was a great place to go. And when I go home now, it's all, it's almost all vacation homes that all the working class kids, no one, I say kids, but none of us can afford to live there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it just becomes kind of the playground for super wealthy people to have as a second home good for them or whatever but it's not home yeah yeah it's not the same yeah so i i tease my parents they're like well are you gonna move home after the fire department i mean maybe if you die i mean <laughs> which sounds awful but like that's the only <laughs> I way can't i can afford, afford it. yeah. yeah i mean it, and it's crazy the, the differences i mean yeah are you gonna want a 51 year old man in your attic mom really I mean, <laughs> probably not so yeah so it's a good so yeah I, I mean there's so much to see and there's so many places to go that I thought Missouri was going to be a short stop, but it'll be about 25 years. <laughs> so. so, so to that, so so you experienced Alaska, kind of that polar opposite of California, mm-hmm. which kind of got got you out of California. Like that, that was the only way you could get out. And then you follow your, your girlfriend back to Missouri. Yeah, um, she was my wife, sir. Show some respect. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, how you dare know, you? But, uh, it, the yeah, marriage. I don't was, want to get into. <laughs> it was 14 months of the greatest time of our life. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was in it for the long haul. Uh, yeah, well, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you moved back for 14 months. Um, no, the marriage yeah. was 14 months. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Month. <laughs> I've been here 20 years. Um, but but you moved here, mm-hmm. and so so firefighting kind of got on your radar then, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I mean, I sort moved of, here for the job. So or, I moved to Springfield. Okay. I got a job with the fire department. Okay. So so then where where did the where at what point did you think, "Hey, this is something I want to do before you yeah. even got a job?" Yeah. So I like I said I've been a volunteer in this town of Cayucas, California. Okay, so you were a volunteer fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I missed that part. Yeah. Okay, okay. No, and it was one of those deals where because I'd worked in on the heavy equipment side of things, they're like, "Hey man, we're always looking for volunteers and every kid, you know, like remembers the visit when the firefighters came over." And I was like, "That'd be really kind of cool." So I was so excited, man. This is 1990 four maybe uh doesn't matter but you know it, the department's so small it's like 25 people they're yeah. like smoking in the engine bay while they're teaching you cpr <laughs> you know it was a, a time at the time they had pagers which they still may have but you know it's a tiny town and and it's on the coast and it's always foggy so it's only medical calls they were still talking about a structure fire from three years previous like <laughs> you remember that one and it was everyone's parents and the one bar in town, the Cayucas Tavern, would like empty when the calls came in, right? Really? Yeah, yeah. All the locals yeah, were like, yeah. let's go do this thing. <laughs> and but I had the time of my life, and I I, re- I realized then then I kind of became I, I become fixated on something, which is an awful trait, where like you know, if only I could get to this stage, mm-hmm. man, I'd be so happy. And and that's taken forty six years to get to the point where like you can be happy all along the way. Yeah. Getting to that stage, I mean, I became obsessed, Jeremy. It was it was disgusting. Like, if you look at my library, I make it sound, you know, my bookshelf. Uh, <laughs> it's all these books on fire departments, fire stations. I, w- I was I was eaten up with it. And then when we moved to Alaska, they had a volunteer department. And my goal at the time was to try to get on to Anchorage Fire. Okay. And then uh, there was a short period there where I was a, 
I had applied for and had gotten through the process through the Air National Guard because I always wanted to fly military. And so I had an opportunity to get into the C-130 program through the Air National Guard. But my eyes weren't great, so I was going to be a, go to navigator school. And I was in, young and impetuous, so I'm like, if I can't fly it, I'm not going to <laughs> be such a dick. <laughs> but, again, that was young. You know, yeah, yeah, young yeah. Self. So um, when I got laid off and she wanted to – I had such a great time. I mean, I used to take my days off. So the oil rigs were two weeks on, two weeks off. I would okay. hang around the fire station waiting for calls and just – dreaming fantasizing man if i could just do this full time my life would be so great which is really a good theme for also i wanted to be a steam locomotive engineer still do it's hot nasty work is my life really gonna be great (laughs) but i I thought that and so getting on to springfield was a real dream Um, yeah and the process was long and it takes about a year and it was uh very competitive and i remember you know when i got the call and they, they said hey meet us at frank's uniforms right down the road here I drove three, four hours from Kirksville down here just to show up at the uniform shop to pick up my uniform and then turn around and went right back. Yeah. And I just remember standing there with a guy, a friend of mine named Steve, who's now a battalion chief, and going, this is it, dude. We're really going to be firefighters. And it was just such a – I remember thinking, they're going to have to pry me out of here out of 25 years. I finally uh, – Yeah. Yeah, this is it. And uh, I can tell you, as I am rolling into year 21 – I'll leave at 25. It won't be a problem. <laughs> but it was such a, a realization for me because, you know, it's a, a job to be proud of. And it was, you're helping people. And how cool is this? Like, yeah, it wasn't going to be in an office. It wasn't going to be with a tie. I'd be doing something that made a difference. And, and that was, it was such a draw for me. And so it's why I stayed here. In fact, when, when I got divorced, all my family, because I was in the academy, they're like, hey, are you going to move home? And I said, well, I finally have a job, A, that I love. Yeah. Be out of retirement, which I'd never had. And yeah. Insurance. I said, uh, so I looked at applying with Anchorage, Portland, and Seattle. And I, but I thought to myself, I need to give uh, Springfield one year. They took a chance on me, ran me through the academy, gave me a job. Yeah. Dude, give it a year. And in that year, I met my boy's mom, wife number two. <laughs> and uh, so that was, you know, again, pretty soon you start, you put enough time in, you're not going to move somewhere else. Yeah. Um, you know, because I was putting my time in, so. And it's a, good, it's a good city. I mean, all those things, all the superlatives you read about, you know, it's family-friendly, it's affordable, tons of cashew chicken. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, for everywhere else you could go, I, re- I recognize that if I'm going to do this, I need to sort of stick around for a while. Yeah. So that's uh, moved up through the ranks, and uh, currently I'm a captain. Um, again, with about three years, seven months to go, who's counting? But uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great job. I mean, and I'm super fortunate. It's it has been a career that has provided me, you know, time off to do stuff like this, fun hobbies. Um, it's a good living. My kids are, they could care less what I do, but there was a time when I was super cool to them. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, so a little, little kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, but it's, I just feel like it's kept me in line because I have a very much a wandering spirit. So how do you reconcile that with the discipline of a fire department? Yeah, yeah. I needed that. Otherwise, I'd be talking some... to you from, you know, some prison in, uh, <laughs> South Dakota or something. That so. could be a fun conversation too. I, I mean, we can get there. <laughs> so. so, so for that is, and you kind of mentioned it was more of, it, it sounded like it was kind of two things that drew you to that, or maybe three things is the camaraderie that you originally had with the people in Alaska. Mm-hmm. 
the other firefighters, mm-hmm. you wanted to help people, but mm-hmm. also I'm sure there's a little bit of an adrenaline rush 100%. once you get that call oh, yeah. and you're like, okay, I'm checking on, I'm with my friend, my friends helping people, but yeah. I get to do something badass yeah. in yeah, you and know, it, that regard. Kind of like what, I mean, I've, I've, I've followed, you know, your, your adventures and, and the guests you've had on the show and there definitely seems to be a, a recurrent theme of, you know, the adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and there is, there's a rush, there's a thrill. I mean, when that bell hits and, you know, you're sliding the pole for the first time and, you know, people call you at their very worst moment. Now it's hard after 20 years to not get jaded about things. Yeah. Uh, it, and it doesn't mean that I don't sincerely enjoy helping people. You just recognize the amount of it that's BS. Yeah. And there's a lot of it, but that's anything. Yeah. Uh, but man, those first, those first several years, you almost have, I, I don't want to say it's a death wish cause I don't, that's, that sounds irresponsible, but you just don't think about it in terms. I mean, you you think about all your you're a rookie firefighter. You have a captain that's supposed to watch over you. They tell you go and kick this door in and go find the seat of the fire, and it's hot and you're sweaty, and you come out and you're just like, f yeah, like, yeah. This is this is for me. And yeah. I remember my first shift. We had a, a working house fire, and you know some. Uh, it was on the north side of town. Some guy had hung uh, one gallon uh, bottles of like milk jugs of gas. Above his uh, north side politics, who knows? But it was just such a like that adrenaline dump, and uh, you know, and I just thought, man, I am so lucky. I've got the best job. Yeah. Now, as time's gone on, like I said, where I am today, my job is now to make sure that my new guys don't. You know, my whole job is making sure everyone gets home tomorrow. Yeah. And and that's it's far less sexy or whatever. But if I was forty six as I am, still chasing that. I thought, man, I'd look like I got run through a wood chipper, <laughs> you know? So I stopped playing ice hockey a few years back because I realized, hey, man, this is a young person's, <laughs> you know? And firefighting is a young person's game in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I think what I can offer now is a perspective of a life in that service yeah. to younger people to keep you from getting hurt. Like, yeah. that's my job now is to Which is show super you important. Things. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's equally fulfilling. Yeah. Because now to me, a house fire just means... Two hours of paperwork waiting through a bunch of trash. You know, it just is, it, it has a lot less allure. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's still a, every day you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, when when our shift is over in the morning, there's always at least one or two wacky calls you're telling an oncoming shift. You're like, oh, my God, can you believe it? You know, I've seen two guys that go at it with weed eaters, literally, on the west side. Like, they took out their grudges on each other. So by the time we get there, it's just a couple of dudes, shirtless dudes, just look at, like, a thousand lashes each, and like, weed eaters, and they're on the ground. I'm like, what happened here? That's West Side Justice, baby. What? Oh, what? Yeah. Things like that are kind of hard to keep a straight face, I feel like. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, the first time we went on an S&M, uh, it was a medical call in an S&M chamber. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, this is, uh, this is on the east side of town, and it was... Uh, it was just a real eye opener. <laughs> You're uh, just like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, somebody didn't say a safe word in time, and uh, <laughs> you know, passed out, and they called nine one one. I mean, you're gonna see things in this line of work that they can never prepare you for, and you just have to be like, all right, just roll with it. And, and you gotta laugh at it, man. I mean, yeah. you hear about this macabre sense of humor in the fire service or military guys. I know my brothers that were in. That's a big one for them. But if you took every death as personally as your own father's, you'd never make it. And yeah. so you have to be able to compartmentalize. Yeah. And so you have to take those occasions when you're going into an S&M chamber. Everything's fine. Just say the safe word next time. Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But <laughs> because that balances out 
I mean, you're going to see stuff that psychologically we're not wired to do. And that's when I talk about leaving after 25 years, I'm, I'm more than ready. I, there are a lot of things you just wish you could unsee. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But again, it's balanced out with like, uh, I got to the new assignment I'm at and our first shift only the second time in my whole career, we got to deliver a baby. So, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that in was, a shower. That was like what? <laughs> Was, in March. Yeah, I'd say that's yeah, pretty March of this year. So <laughs> Yeah. And and you know, we got to go back and catch up with the mom and everything and he you know, this little kid's kinda of become he's gonna become I think our uh mascot, right? Yeah, we're, yeah. We're gonna watch him grow up just because of, <laughs> dude, I was there when you entered this world. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So so you do all this, you're you're a firefighter. So you're a firefighter by day or night. I don't know. I guess probably both. It's 24 hours. 24 hours. So it's 24 hours on. In Springfield, we have our, it's 24 hours on, then 48 hours off. So I got oh, off okay. work. Okay. I got off work yesterday at seven in the morning. Okay. Had all day yesterday. I'll have all day today to enjoy uh, this obviously leaking coffee. And I'm sorry about your desk. Yeah, uh, I'll get taken care of. Um, and then I go back to work seven tomorrow morning. Okay. So yeah, it's it's always rotating. It drives. Uh, Especially in divorce homes, it drives the uh, divorcee spouses nuts because they can't count on anything. Oh, yeah. In terms of like, it's not a consistent, you have the kids for a week, I have the kids for a week. Um, but it is, uh, I love it. I mean, some a lot of cities are going to 48, 96, so they're there for two days and off. This, like my uh, former roommate from California, a lot of departments, even around here, they have to commute a long ways, so they keep them there for two days and then you're off for four. Okay. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. But I can tell you, after 24 hours in the firehouse, my butt's ready to come home. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, that's, so that's why every firefighter you'll ever meet has at least another job, two jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and we all do. Which, speaking of which, so yeah, so you, um, you fight fires mm-hmm. every couple of days yeah. and then when your time off, you work at four by four, um, which is a, a local brewery here that's been yep. around four, how many years has it been around? No, it, uh, December of 2017. So, so this will be their third coming yep. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, third year coming up. Yep. Um, so, so let's. I, I know you're pretty close with with them, and you uh-huh. kind of started bartending, and now you're kind of working your way up. Yeah. Per se, on that. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So it, classic, uh, classic love story, Jeremy. Uh, yeah. You know where you you uh, you become such a regular that you just start uh, getting a paycheck. Uh, what happened was uh, they were actually fun. It's a fun story, and it's kind of parallels along with the podcast which you alluded to earlier. So. It's right down the station, right down, right down the street from a fire station. Yeah. So we used to see it. You know, we'd be taking calls, and I mean, I joke that I'm a I'm a fully functioning, highly depressive alcoholic. <laughs> but I had worked uh, for the former Missouri Spirits in years past. Okay. Uh, I learned how to do that a little bit, and uh, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, just again, learning. I love cooking, actually. Which this is going to sound like a weird parallel, but uh, I I really I'm I don't do it enough, but I love the art of cooking. Yeah. Right? I'm, Okay, at baking, you're just following directions, but cooking where you're like, hey, try this, try that. And really, I, so I was sort of intrigued by the notion of a brewery, right? Instead yeah. of just, so I saw that they were open one day and I talked to one of my partners actually on the rig. I said, hey, let's go there. It was Super Bowl Sunday of 2018. So it's a snowy day. I'm going to paint this picture. <laughs> we go in and it's just two of the owners are there. And we just start talking. And they're just the most likable people. It was Derek and Danielle Shimuel. And, uh, we just start talking, and, and I started saying something. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in starting this podcast. Uh, at the time, I was also in real estate at the time, so I was a realtor as well. 
And I sort of gave them the background. And, and much like yours, it's just conversations with people. Yeah. I think everybody has a story to tell. And they're like, we're really on board with that. That sounds great. So I said, maybe we could work something out. So right then, I mean, almost the first time I went in, we struck a, a verbal deal. Hey, like if I would love to do it here. Yeah. And we could talk about your beer and then talk about this. And they're like, we're on board. Which is sort of how that segued. And I started working there or started hanging out there all the time. Then one day, as it all happens, um, oh, so I also do some woodworking and they were needing new flight boards. And they knew I did woodworking. So they're like, hey, would you like to build us some new flight boards for a bar tab? And I'm like, boom, just a poke <laughs> a funny hat. Hell yeah. So I made them 20 flight boards. It was a very easy design uh, that they already had. And then uh, they said, hey, we're, we're going to start doing these game nights. We're going to, because it's an indoor beer garden. So yeah. four by four is super cool, quick story. It's four couples. They work in food service uh, in terms of food sales. And one of them brewed at home. And they finally convinced him after like 10 years, hey, you should open up your own place. The running joke is they got him to Nashville, got him drunk, and got him to sign on. <laughs> so that's how they started. And this was just going to be a little side project for them. It was yeah. a small space. And rapidly, it just started growing. Uh, the beer is so good. And yeah. So then they wanted to do game nights. There wasn't an indoor beer garden anywhere in town, so they did that. And as you can tell, I have a kind of a BS personality. And they're like, hey, you have a lot of fun. <laughs> Would you mind hosting? So that's how that started. Yeah. And then just one day, they were like, uh, one of them had to go to the store or go pick up a kid. And they were starting to get slammed. And I said, hey. We've all bartended. Do you want me to? Yeah, if you don't mind helping like 20 minutes. <laughs> that turned into six hours. And then I said, I'm on the payroll now. And I, I've forced my way <laughs> and I have not left. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I've been very fortunate. And then as COVID and everything came about, they sort of had to really change, diversify. Yeah. So they went to canning. And then we got into some commercial canning, like big canning. And then um, so canning, kegs, tap room, and then to go curbside service. Yeah. And so just they have, they hit their sales goals really early on like we're talking three-year sales goals within six months kind of stuff crazy yeah and it just keeps we can't make the beer fast enough yeah and so i again this gets back to the cooking i'm interested in that and so i really expressed an interest in learning that yeah and and i I sort of pitched it to him hey i'm coming to the twilight of my fire career if you want you know because a lot of people that work in breweries or bars they're 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 young people that are going to move on understandably yeah I'm like, I'll be an old man, <laughs> but I'll, if you will teach me, I will, I'm not going to be lured away by anyone else. Yeah. And they're just wonderful people. So yeah, I just started, uh, I'm in the cellar man position now, which is, you know, I'm apprenticing, cleaning kegs, uh, Charlie work. If you're a fan of always sunny, uh, but <laughs> I still work. Yeah. I still do a couple <laughs> of nights behind the bar, which I always enjoy. I mean, I'm like everyone else. I wish the regulars could sit up at the bar. Yeah. But uh, I, I, the thrill of learning something new, I think that's really important. I think it's easy to stagnate. And I know there's a lot of retirees from the fire department out there who they might take a job at Lowe's. No offense to them, but like just for the insurance. Yeah. So they're like counting bolts, whatever. They're not. And man, I'm just some, I want to learn something new. Yeah. And uh, so brewing became what I decided to really land on. So once the podcast started paying for itself. And I had too many irons in the fire. I let my real estate license go, which I was doing really well at. Yeah. And I, But how can you match how fun a brewery is? Yeah. So uh, it was an easy choice for me. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Some, uh, this is going to sound bad, but sometimes now having two small young children yeah. of my own, 
it kind of you kind of realize those little things like that because we used to go there all the time and yeah. all that stuff. But you get little kids and you're like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I guess <laughs> right. so it's like I gotta wait, you know, ten years so they can. Well, I can tell you, my boys are <laughs> fifteen and seventeen, and I'm again really lucky. I mean, I've been divorced twice and my pension hasn't been touched. That's unheard of. Uh, my relationship with my cat has never been strong. Uh, but, you know, my boys are getting ready to, to, to fly the nest as it were. And I'm just poised to have a really, I mean, no one's going to like be like, man, this guy's going to be, a, a, it's not a, success is whatever you want to define it as. Yeah. And for me, it is having a purpose. And, and yeah, it just sounds dumb to say, well, beer is my purpose. I'm not Homer Simpson. <laughs> but that that relationship I have with people, when they come in that brewery, I see they're an ambassador and so am I. Yeah. It's like they're going to, I want them to have the very best experience so that they're going, Hey, you got to try out this four by four. And I think that's what the owners really wanted. Yeah. And I think it's worked. I think that's I, why they're successful. I would, I would agree from, yeah. from being a, a customer standpoint. Um, so, so yeah, so that all kind of makes sense. And especially with you kind of have an interest in cooking, because I know they have a pretty wide selection of different beers and um, always trying new things. So yeah. we have about 17 on tap now and we make them all. Yeah, that's that's insane. That's wild, right? So so are you at the point where you're like starting to learn like how to like mix the, mm-hmm. like or OK, so you're kind of yeah. that's kind of the bottom level. You're, you're, yeah. you're not letting you touch anything yet. Oh, they, they will. Okay. They, yeah, yeah. They're watching very carefully. <laughs> Um, and, and it's interesting because so many breweries and brewers at, started out as home brewers, as did Chris. Yeah. Barber. So he did everything on a five-gallon bucket scale, right? Yeah. And I've come in only on the commercial side. So I don't know what it's like to make it. And I mean, I've often thought, I mean, I've taken several classes now. Like, they'll send me out and I'll go take classes. Um, but I've never known small scale. Yeah. So for me, it's, you know, okay, we start with 200 gallons of water. And, and it's just a recipe book. And, and really getting into Chris's mind which is that's where it all comes from. He's like a mad scientist. He, is he so, just kind of like making yep. things up from Wing it. So one of our most popular beers, the Smooth Criminal, right? The, yeah, in my yeah. opinion, the best beer we've ever made. Yeah. It's completely, he just winged that. He's like, this. I think these hops would be good with this. <laughs> but he's like, he's done it so many years, the chemistry of it. And, the, you know, he, he really is a purist too. Like we have two, we have a reverse osmosis water system and then a UV light system, which means that we take city water. Okay. Like that was important to us. Like we take water from the city. Yeah. But we strip it of everything. Yeah. And then he builds the water profile for the beer. So what minerals are going to make this? So if you're going to do a pilsner, you're going to have a different water than you're going to. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I didn't even realize that that. He goes all the way down to that level. Holy cow. So he's adding nutrients and minerals in at a, the very basis level. And then he's basically got his cookbook, right? His Walter White <laughs> thing. And it's just, Okay. And for him, he doesn't really need it, but he's doing that to pass on that knowledge to. Yeah. So there's two of us. Well, one of the other owners brews now, a guy named AJ, my co-host. Amigo. Yeah. He's he's brewing. I mean, he's a full brewer now. Um, but again, and they're more than happy to let me do it. They're just walking me through it. Yeah. And and I'm at the point where learning the valve systems and everything on a brew house. I mean, it's all these terms, Jeremy. It's weird. Like. I don't know enough of the history, but they can't just call that a tank. It's a Vorloff. Yes. It's a sparging. And I'm like, where, where, do you, where are you coming from with this? Who made this up? It's the hot liquor tank. It's just water. Okay. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's fun to learn that stuff. And, and uh, you know, there's some pretty big expansion plans coming up. And they've, I mean, we just sold two of our 15 barrel fermenters and bought four more 20 barrel fermenters. Gosh. And we can't keep it in stock. Like, I think people are really, there's a great team there. Uh, I think the owners all, they're, 
they're a real model for me of how you work collectively. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when you have partners, there's, there can be this, but they have very well-defined roles. And by doing that, everyone knows what their position is. Yeah. And so for me, I mean, it's really flexible for them. It's easy for them because I don't, I'm not looking to them to give me insurance right now. I don't need, I'm easy. Like if they're like, Hey, we don't have any work today. I'm like, cool. I'm going to go home and work on a podcast. Yeah. So they're not, they're not pressured in any way from that. And the podcast itself has grown. I mean, they've been a huge sponsor. Um, and I stopped podcasting from the brewery. Yeah. I thought it would be really cool at first. You're hearing all the, you know, the valves going off and stuff. A little tricky. Yeah. But you just hear Chris screaming and pallets dropping. (laughs) And uh, I was using the Yeti blue mic, uh, and it was great, but like everything else, kind of like your show, you want to kind of, as you get more, more into it, you want to have more, um, better equipment. And so four by four has really stepped up. They've helped me, you know, and I still, I was going to bring us beer this morning, but I thought, oh, it's early, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, they still provide all the beer for the show and, yeah. the, you know, the guests always try to have a good time. And, and so hopefully it's all, it's all part of the big picture and as game stuff comes back, you know, who knows? yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for, for Bingo to come back. Um, my true calling. Yeah, your true calling. You know, mm-hmm. remember we said there's going to be a pinnacle here. Yeah. That was um, so. But so to the podcast, you started at the brewery. That's kind of mm-hmm. how that led to you. It's kind of it's interesting how the two kind of work together. Yeah, they're, they're um, really intertwined. You know, so so what what is the whole idea behind the podcast? Sure, absolutely. Who so you have on there all that good stuff. It started out as the real estate because I was in real estate. Yeah, and, and I was thinking that'd be kind of fun to you know, but. Uh, simple is always better. <laughs> and people are like, the real estate? I'm like, no, the real estate. Yeah. I typed in real estate. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then as I got out of the real estate world, which I had a good time in, I mean, there's nothing bad about that. Um, there became a joke. Again, firefighters are always pulling pranks. Uh, and a guy that actually I worked with is a T-shirt vendor. And so he was trying to pitch the brewery to sell T-shirts for Yeah. Him. And he knew the brewer. So he, they said, yeah, why don't you bring in some stuff? So he comes in with this giant Uli Hoo right? Because he was always pranking me. And they laughed. Everyone got a kick out of it. Well, people started asking for that shirt. So the brewery, in their, in their wisdom, kindness, they're like, I'll tell you what, we'll pay for a run of shirts. Yeah. And you can have the profits. I mean, what a cool deal. Yeah. And then it kind of came time to sort of rebrand or whatever. I think like everyone's show. I mean, I don't know how consistent. I try to be consistent, but especially during this COVID deal, it's been very difficult. Yeah. But um, I changed the name. We rebranded it. It's Uli Who. Yeah. And, and the reason being is it's not about me. And the genesis of all of this and the and the, the or the crux of the entire show is this. Everybody has an interesting story. You do. Uh, everybody. And people that tell you, well, my story's not that interesting, I call BS. Because it's only not interesting because you live it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everyone has a story to tell. And I think in our social media-driven age, and I'm you know a whore for all of that, so it's great. I can talk to my cousin in, in Hawaii who's a professional surfer and artist, talk about living the dream, <laughs> or my brother down in Texas, you know, he, he owns Black Rifle Coffee or or high school friends. But we're missing these conversations. Yeah. One-to-one, you and me, cup of coffee, in this case a microphone. And he, I thought, I love hearing people's stories, right? Like, yeah. I love that. And I think everyone, everyone you meet is interesting. So I've had everyone on the show from... Again, uh, Grant Westrom, former NFL player, oh, yeah. was my first guest and my 100th guest. 
um, all the way to the guy cuts my hair, <laughs> my kids. Uh, and I, I definitely don't limit it. I mean, I've had some people that are, you know, some big power players. I think my third guest was a city manager of Springfield. Yeah. And they were like, how did you get him on? I'm like, I just asked him. Just Yeah. He was a great guy, Greg Burris. Uh, it, and people want to tell you their story. Yeah. They at first, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, eh, come on. Just, yeah. Have a beer. Yeah. Tell me about why, you know, why is it that, you know, you have a, you have this giant scar on your cheek. Let's talk about it or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And and people, I think they come away from that. I hope they come away from it feeling like, man, that's cool. They, they're contributing. Yeah. And and I just get to curate it. Yeah. So that's, that's it. Um, I was surprised. I was going to see, I, I've been very, very fortunate. Uh, it has, advertisers have been, I mean, it's all the local stuff, but they, they've chipped in. I mean, I've, I've been able to get some new equipment and again, the freedom of being a firefighter. Yeah. You know, the downloads that it hits are, are consistent. I'm yeah. Joe Rogan, but, uh, you know, I, you can sort of see your stats and I'm like, wow, okay, people. And then when I miss a week or two, people are like, Hey man, where's the show? Right, yeah. And I'm like, are you actually listening? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and to me, that's super fulfilling. Like that's, that's, uh, I feel like my art to give back. Yeah. Is something that you will listen to. I mean, your show. Uh, I've had people ask about, you know, Lumen Collect uh, Collective, and it's like they, people ask about that stuff because yeah. hopefully it opens doors for them that people you wouldn't have talked to otherwise. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because I I thought about that too when when I was um, as a guest on your show, like because you almost feel like weird talking about yourself. You're like, no, you do have a story to tell, and mm-hmm. the only reason it doesn't seem like a good story like you said is because it's your story so you're not yeah so so many other people it's it's interesting because they've never heard or thought about something in that way absolutely and you don't want to and, and what I, you don't want to seem narcissistic right yeah i mean I, I can tell you even today on this side of the table i'm sweating a little bit because i'm like god i'm just talking about myself <laughs> but it's an interesting i know it's an interesting story I, I got to live it i was very fortunate i didn't get to fly jets in the navy and i didn't get to you know, I've never been to Italy. I've never been to Washington D.C. So there's so much more to see. But I, I recognize to some folks that'd be kind of interesting. You know, yeah. Uh, my, uh, you know, my dad being married seven times. It's a hilarious story to hear the way he, you know, talks about women and his misogyny and his ultimate death as a single man. That's not that funny, but <laughs> it can be. You know, so yeah. I think I think that my my goal is to put people at enough ease and and draw out of them a comfort where they can just be like, hey, man. I mean, I had no idea about your level of BMX skills. Well, I don't you're, know if I'd call it that, but... <laughs> you were a really, really cool guy that had great shirts at the brewery, and that's what I knew you as, but what a, what a great thing to open up and learn that about you. Like, yeah. so, and that's, so that's the thing with the podcast. Will it go... I'd love to... I mean, we all want to be Joe Rogan, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if it, if it continues down the road, I've got a little room at the house. I continue... I'm going to leave here and go do two more shows. So we, we give back and forth and we communicate and we form a community. And yeah. That's good stuff. That's awesome. And, and it's awesome because you just, not too long ago, you reached 100 episodes, right? Yeah. No, I'm Was at uh, about, about 150 right now. 150. Yeah. So, so that's, that's and, awesome. So you know, it's, congratulations again, to that. Thanks. Sure. Yeah. I remember uh, there was a coach person uh, that I kind of reached out to and uh, <clears throat> they said, try to make 70, 75, get to 75. You'll know at 75 episodes. And I thought, Make it that long, but I, I've never given up on the notion that uh, everybody. There, my mom's like, "Well, what are you gonna do when you run out of friends to talk to you?" Like today uh, on the show today, I'm gonna have somebody that's a repeat guest. Not everyone has to be the first time guest. Yeah, but there's billions of people in the world. I met a guy. He's the uncle of. I think he's the uncle of one of the owners. 
this quick story, and I, and I don't know how much time we have, but he was at the brewery, and we were putting in the new tanks, and it was very stressful. Glycol lines going everywhere. People are, rah, rah, rah. there's this much clearance between everything. And this guy comes in, he's like, well, he's pointing around, and I wanted to be like, who the F are you, man? Like, who are you? Turns out he's one of the owner's uncles. He's got kind of a mullet, kind of in his 60s. And So we sit down afterward, and there's a beer there. I'm like, hey, man, so what's your story? What, what, what are you doing? He's like, well, I just moved here. I Retired from Nashville. And I'm like, let me guess. Were you in the music industry? He goes, matter of fact, I was. And I'm like, what did you do? Like, how would I know you? Like, because that's my... He was a roadie for 35 years. For wow. For all the big acts. We're talking Garth to all of them. Holy cow. Talk about some stories. I had him nailed down to a show before that conversation was over. So next week, he's going to be on the show. Like, wow. It, just... Just by asking. Yeah. And he wasn't going to come into the brewery and be like, hey, I'm a roadie. Does anyone want to hear about it? Right? Yeah. 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 You got to you gotta open up to yeah, people. Yeah. We, we're going to dance that out of them. And so anyway, and I know I've been droning on and on today, but that's, to me, that's what makes life rich. That's what makes it full is these stories. You know, our brewer guarded like rockets in Germany in the Air Force. I would have never known that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. Because again, we don't walk around every day going. Does anyone want to hear about me? Yeah, yeah. So it, I think it's a really good venue, and it, I've learned just so much. I've had the brewing world alone. I mean, honestly, before I went to Four by Four, I was a Pacifico and Guinness guy. Yeah, my cat's name is Guinness Lebowski. Like <laughs> they're, they're, it's a thing, but I've learned so much. And then so that opens doors to others. I've had the other brewers from town come in on the show, and you just learn, man. It's fun. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's kind of the podcast brewery that, that, and that's my next chapter. And I don't want to downplay the fire service. It's been great, but we're always looking for, so, yeah. you know, what are you going to do next? The kids are going to be gone. Are you going to count bolts? Just, yeah, <laughs> no, no. I think brewery and podcast and wherever that develops into past those two things is a yeah. solid, solid a route to go. You know? Absolutely. So, so with that kind of, um, you know, one, question of course i always ask is what kind of advice would you offer i mean you've had a kind of a sporadic life i would say yeah um kind of you know just having a gut feeling and just going for it so Mm -hmm. what what would you suggest to somebody that might like they kind of need that push they want to have that sure that kind of on a whim type thing but they're not two two parts of it uh i remember my stepdad so my my degree is in agricultural business obviously I'm using it. I mean, I, I joke that I put a little garden in this year and I was telling everyone I was a farmer. But, um, and, and I did that because it, it was the idea that made sense in terms of stability in my life. You go here, you know, California's got a lot of agriculture. I like the hands-on approach. But it wasn't my passion. Yeah. Okay. And so I have nothing to do with agriculture except my garden, with which I'm feeding the world. Uh, obviously, obviously, uh, no, but, um, I would suggest to people, if you have that passion, don't be afraid to chase it, especially as the, the economies today are shifting no more. I mean, there's no more like I'm going to go to work at, you know, Dunder Mifflin for 40 years or whatever. So don't be afraid to chase that and explore it, but also know when to sunset it, you know, like when it runs its course, be willing to say, okay, I did that. And, And I would say that about like my real estate career. Uh, it was just five years. I had a great time. Yeah. Made some money, made some great friends. There's nothing wrong with it. I just, it, I could see that I wasn't going to want to put in, you know, when I had other opportunities, I was willing to do that. Now I have the flexibility of being able to because of the fire service, but I, 
if you're truly passionate about something, lock in on it, man. Just uh, really lock in on it. And I, what I noticed was when I made a lot of money, kind of felt like I was poor. When I made no money, really felt like I was poor, like, you know, financially. Yeah. So do what do what makes your heart happy because you'll find a way to pay the bills. Yeah. And it, it, I've never been one that's been just strictly financially driven. I mean, I joke that every two weeks I become a thousandaire. When <laughs> the city puts in the money in, and then it, within hours it's all gone to business. But I, I don't. I'm a firm believer that the experiences that we we create and we share with other people that's what makes it fulfilling. Um, and, and my goal is to keep having those. And so I would tell people, uh, I always tell people, uh, podcast wise, if you if, if that's your passion, I had people that helped me out from the start. I, I will anybody who wants any help on a podcast. I mean, you can find me. I will tell you every single thing I've done. I, I believe in total transparency because maybe I can help you avoid some of the financial pitfalls. And people have helped me. And I think that's our charge to help one another. Yeah. It's your content that's going to set you apart. It's, I don't have any it's, secret tools. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's it, it's your content. And, you know, same with like the beers. I, I joke that I forced my way into the brewery, but I got really passionate about it. And they could sense that. And I could just sense they're wonderful people. They're great people that own that place. And I just knew, I'm going to align myself with you. You can either get on board or I can just be the guy, you know, living in your dumpster. And and same with game nights. I mean, we, we got very fortunate before COVID hit. We would pack that place out for bingo. Yeah. But people want to relax and have fun and have a good time. So live recklessly with abandon, man. Be ridiculous. Who cares? You know, you're going to fall. People are going to mock you. People are going to drag you down. People are often going to say, you know, why are you so weird? Why can't you just... Put, I've never wanted to be just like everyone else. So getting, getting peace with that took a long time. But once I did, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen I have the, like the cat taco shirts and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. I had one of the owners say, I could never wear the things you wear. And I'm like, I know you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, so, but you could if you want. Like, yeah. Well, what do you care? You're married with kids and grandkids. Or are you afraid someone's going to – if you want to wear a shirt with cats and tacos on it, you wear a damn shirt with cats and tacos <laughs> on it. So wear the shirt that you want. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Long way around it. No, that's that's perfect, and it's 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 kind of always interesting trying to to get over that that discomfort that you have of thinking about a new idea and, and anything. I've struggled with that myself. We've all struggled with that. But yeah, once you kind of get past that notion of okay, who really cares? Yeah, you know, then it's it's freedom. You yeah. know, what are they gonna do? Take away your birthday? Like, yeah. right? <laughs> and and there are people out there, and and you can you probably experienced this that we all have that no matter what you do, they have a they have a. a a paradigm either for you or against you for yeah. what perceived in their own mind. And there's nothing you can do to make those people happy. No yeah. And so then you get to this point where you're like, am I living to satisfy what you think I should be? And you know, the only people whose opinions really count are my kids. Yeah. And, uh, and if, if I'm doing as, as good as I can by them, which we can always do better at the end, who cares? Yeah. So they, they're of course embarrassed. They don't want their dad coming around in a cat taco shirt and loudly uh -huh. declaring how much I love them. <laughs> you know? That's so, part of being a dad. Too, oh yeah. You know, parents, That's the joy so. of it. Right. <laughs> but I, it's, it's, I don't know. We'll say this as a parent. I'm, I'm sure with your little ones, I, somebody said to me yes, uh, yesterday, my boys are 17 and 15 and they are exactly what you would expect. That is, I mean, just big hulking winter walking food, consuming, <laughs> gaming, sleeping, smelly masses. <laughs> And, but I always tell them when I left the house this morning, every phone call, I love you boys. And, yeah. they, and it's, I'm really glad that as teenagers, they're not embarrassed to say it back to me. Yeah. But that's super important because we don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, fire service or getting hit by a bus down here. I don't want my kids to ever wonder 
Yeah. It sounds fatalistic. No, I totally the agree. The people in your life that you care about, man, don't hold back. Yeah. Like, give them your love. There's no reward for withholding. No, no, <laughs> nope. So, anyway. That's that's awesome. Well, where where can people find you online to see all right. your shenanigans? Uh, and there's a ton of them. Tune in, <laughs> tune in the podcast. Sure. So, uh, there's the Uluhu podcast, and you can find that on uh, iTunes, Google Play, um, Spotify, any, anywhere you can find a podcast generally, uh, I'm on all those platforms. You should spell that. Yeah, it's U-L-I-W-H-O, the Ulihu Podcast. There we go. And um, find me on Facebook. There's an Ulihu Podcast Facebook page or on my personal page. If you type in the letters U-L-I, you'll probably, you'll probably <laughs> get me. There's not too many of them. And then uh, I, I'm always super grateful when people reach out. I've had some really great uh, future guests uh, and if you, if people have ideas, you can uh, generally find me at four by four. If I'm not at the firehouse, you can find me out at the brewery <laughs> if I'm not doing podcast stuff and, and just come in, man, have a beer and, and, and let's talk. Uh, you know, I would love meeting new people is, is probably one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. So, um, I'm just, I'm super grateful you're willing to have me on here. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm excited. I had a good time when, when the, the roles were reversed. Um, so yeah. I figured it'd be great to hear yeah. your story too. Cause that's, that's like you said, it's part of hearing people's stories, and a lot of it, I really hear people's stories for the first time uh, over the podcast because it just gives it an, an open platform in that sense. So yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I, it it's weird for me because it's uh, <laughs> cameras turned, right? And I'm I'm used to uh, pulling something from from you, but uh, I I do appreciate the opportunity to share that. Stories are fun, man. I mean, just being able to uh, being able to to every day be get up and be grateful that I, I get another day here, yeah. and, and and learning that. Uh, and friendships like these. I mean, I would consider you a friend. We're both doing, uh, both out here uh, slinging, uh, slinging our best efforts to yeah. podcasting and, and living life. So, I think what you're doing is awesome. I, it is such. It's, <clears throat> I joke, and I joked with you that it's like this nebulous concept that I couldn't get my mind around. I'm like, what is this aluminum collect? <laughs> but as I followed, man, I've learned a ton. Uh, you just do a really an awesome job of exposing people like me to things that I never would have otherwise. So, well, I I, I appreciate that. I did not ask him for that uh, either. Yeah, un, so unpaid was, sponsorship. Uh... <laughs> Is that a check you're cutting right there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, how much was it? Yeah. <laughs> Put another zero on. It, so. anyway. uh, awesome. Well, thank you again. Um, I mean, everybody definitely make sure you check him out. Uh, podcast, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. The Uli Who podcast. Um, but thank you for being on the show today, today sharing Absolutely. your story. Um, and I, of course, wish you the best of luck. And I hope to hear you behind the bingo mic soon. Yeah, I hope to be back there soon, man. And thank you for coming <laughs> in and uh, bring the kids up one of these days when they're, uh, they are they need to get out of the house. Come have a beer with me. I will do. I appreciate it. Right on. Take care. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.